Oh, man, I love that. Love seeing what's going on. Got great reports back. How many of you guys got rid of some kids this weekend? Oh, you dirty people. All my kids are at home. Yay for me. Um, But my day is coming. And so it's coming the next couple weeks. You know, we love camp. We love next generation ministry. We don't view our kids as, hey, they're the church of the future. In fact, it's the church of now. And so we pour lots of time, resource, and and many of you finances to make our camps happen. So we want to say thank you uh, for that. Also to say, hey, we got a couple more coming. It's always a, we're either going into a camp, coming out of a camp, or, or preparing for one, or inviting kids to one. And so there's lots that's going on. We get a lot of momentum in our church, in our, in our, um, uh, the ministry that's going on here because of what God is doing through our camp. So always be praying for what what God could be doing. And if you did, you know, drop some kids off, please pick them up. Seriously, we're almost done with them. <laughs> we, like, we love them, but not that much to keep them. So please, please do that. Um, hey, if you're a guest here with us, we want to welcome you. Uh, we, we give out a program each week, and as part of it is our Next Step card. We invite you uh, to fill that out. In fact, we invite everyone to fill that out. But if you happen to be a first-time guest here, we want to say thanks for being here. And if you stop by the tent, we have a gift for you. Uh, there's a tent out there in the lobby at the Hub, but also here at the lobby in Rock and we'd love a chance to meet you. We ask everybody to, um, to fill this uh, next step card out because there's quite a few different things. One, a prayer request, and we'd love to get to know what God might be doing in your life, maybe something to celebrate or something we could pray for. And then also, if you would be willing to um, take these out right now, I'm going to talk about this now because we've we got a special thing towards the end of the service. We're not going to revisit this, but if you take these out, I'm going to explain a few things. One is uh, if you're new to Rock Harbor, we have our first step at Rock Harbor that's next week. There's still time to sign up. This is a chance to meet our staff, pastors, and uh, just spend some time finding out about the vision and values of Rock Harbor. Also, we have our 2020 missions experiences listed. And so these are exciting. Um, we've got Cambodia and Thailand. We've got Panama. We have Ethiopia and Mexico. And so there's lots going on uh, that's happening. And so if you want information about that, please uh, let us know on the card. We actually get the chance a little bit later. I'm going to do a sit-down interview with Vapor Ministries. And so it's one of our partners uh, that is doing incredible ministry around the world and uh, got a couple of them here with us today. And so we get to talk with them and find out more uh, what God is doing through vapor. Um, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 9. We worked through books of the Bible and we're in 2 Corinthians. And so last last week we were in chapter 8, this week chapter 9, and over the last few weeks. And what's good about working through books of the Bible is whatever comes up you get to talk about. And so a couple weeks ago John talked about uh, generosity and he said it's not about what God wants from you but what God wants for you. And there is this offering that's being received by this church in Corinth that they're talking about. They're wanting to plant and multiply uh, churches and specifically a church in Jerusalem. And so they're saying, hey, we've got to have funds to be able to do that. Kind of like we raise funds here or we give uh, financially to see churches and ministries be done all around the world. The same thing's happening there. And so they're asking that. And this chapter nine talks specifically about that ask and how they want to be prepared. And so if you have your Bibles, you want to turn to, to chapter nine, It'll help us to, to get going there. If you've got your phones, you can turn there as well. And there's some notes that are in your program 
what, what, what Paul is kind of building on, what he talked about in the last letter, which was, hey, there's the first fruits of our, of our life, the first fruits of our finances should be given to God, that we should trust him, we can test him in that. And God has a blessing uh, for us in doing that because we're saying, hey, it's all your resource and, and I'm going to give of my finances to see that take place because you've given to them to me in the first place. Now he's going to talk specifically about this spiritual uh, discipline of giving. And so for some of you, maybe you, you give financially uh, to a church and giving is something that you've practiced for a while. This is going to be a big encouragement. If you've yet to do that, it might be a bit of a challenge, but you get to hear the promises that are given to us around this principle of giving. Here we go. Verse number one, chapter nine, it says, now it is superfluous. Oh, I don't know if I said that right, but... Sorry, I just like was not good at English um, or pronunciation or a lot of other things. That's beside the point. Back to the Bible. Um, for me to write you about this ministry for the saints. For I know your readiness of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year and your zeal has stirred them up. But I'm sending the brother so that your boasting about you may not prove to be empty in this matter so that you may be ready as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians will come with me and find that you're not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing for being confident. Basically, I've told them that you're going to be ready to give an offering. I just want to remind you because I don't want it to be like this awkward thing and you're like scrambling around like, hey, what do we give? I don't know. Let's kind of put something together. Um, we want to be prepared. And your, your generosity and the way that you're operating as a church has brought a lot of encouragement. So let's continue in that pattern. Verse 5. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you and arrange in advance for the gift that you've promised so that you may be ready as a willing gift, not as exaction. So it's not this grudging gift that has to be given. It's like, oh, I have to do this. It's more like, hey, this is exciting. We're prepared. We're ready to give this gift. We're ready to see these other churches uh, planted and multiplied. See, what's interesting when you you see that Paul has to kind of stir up in this letter to remind them how to give, to remind them to be planned, to be prepared, and, and to, to be prepped for that, that should we as followers of Jesus, who God gave his only son for us, he's given us everything, have to be reminded to simply just give back a little bit of the money that God has given to us in the first place. But this isn't anything new now. It wasn't new then. This is a challenging thing. And Paul's trying to say, there's such a thing as grace giving. That word grace is mentioned 10 times just in chapter 8 and chapter 9. It's over and over. It talks about this word grace. And what grace giving is, is saying, I've been given so much grace that I don't deserve from God. And so I will give graciously to those who are in need. So sometimes it's to further like the ministry. Other times it's to physically meet a need to, to be able to provide food for someone, to provide provision. Paul traveled around as an evangelist. He didn't work this full-time job. He, he was a tent maker, and so he had the ability to make a tent if he needed to earn a little bit of money. But sometimes he was able to live off, of, if they gave an offering, when he went city to city, he could survive on that. And often it was just specifically to plant these churches and research the church that met in houses all throughout these regions. See, when we give graciously and we're willing to say, hey, I'm not going to gather, but I'm going to give. There's two different postures. See, if we view finances as God has brought it into us, I'm going to keep my hands positioned this way, right? If we're going to plant a seed, 
You don't plant a seed when we're going like this, right? That's a gather mentality. But a scatter is saying, hey, I'm going to pour out what's been given to me, and I'm going to keep my hands open so what comes in is just so it can go out, and I'm going to trust God in that, to be generous in that. See, this church, they were stirring up. It says this zeal was stirred up, and our giving does the same thing. Our giving stirs up other people. There's something contagious about generosity. When you hear somebody tell their journey and their story, when you hear somebody share about a need that they were able to meet, when you hear about generosity, it's just exciting. It gets us stirred up. In fact, Hebrews 10 says that we would stir up one another towards love and good works. Hebrews 10, 24. Provoke is another word that's used for stir up. I I mean, stir up, like stir up, you know, that's not, that was more of a, sorry, I should have done a horse sound. Um, and I hadn't done that in any of the services and I didn't practice it. So, um, but it's like a giddy up, like a stir up, or it's like a stir up, like, Hey, we're excited, like stir the stew, you know, like you're excited about something and you're trying to incite, you're trying to provoke, you're trying to, Hey, let's all do this together. When you read that Hebrews, it says, let us multiple times, let us, let's, let's all do this together. It doesn't say that you would brag about what you specifically did and make sure everybody knows how generous that you are. It's like that camp counselor that's up there right now that's like, I just want to let you know, I took a day off of work. I went and served your children. I took an entire duffel bag of Sour Patch Kids. Like, I love God probably more than most people. Not that, right? That's like, that's not stirring up anyone. That's them puffing up themselves. So what we are to do is when we say things like, look at what we were able to partner with, but not using that term we so loosely. You know, have you ever been part of that? Like when you're doing a project and you like, you know, you help somebody move and somebody didn't really help and they kind of like were around, but they're like, look at what we did. And you're like, you were like such a little portion of the we, you know, what it means is we all gave our very best. We made plans, we made preparations. And so when it says, let us, and when it says, look at what we were able to do, it's not what an individual, but multiple people. And so even when it comes to finances, we look at what God has done through Rock Harbor Church. It's not one person funding a bunch of like ministry. It's a bunch of people funding bunches of ministry. It's a collective we, it's provoking, stirring up one another. There's this principle in the Bible and scripture. It's also in life as well. It's called the law of the harvest. And and unfortunately, when money is talked about in a church, and if you're a guest here with us today, I just want to say, hey, thank you for being here. We don't usually talk about money, but we're in the Bible. We study through the Bible that it's here for us to talk about. Maybe you're thinking, oh yeah, of course, I'm going to go and they're going to talk about money. I want to apologize. Come back next week. It'll be a 20 times better message. Um, But, but there are principles in scripture that are actually encouraging. See, when we talk about money, sometimes we say things like, well, you you give financially and God's going to bless you in a lot of areas of your life. And we just say it so generally that it's not specific and it doesn't have that much of an impact. Think about the harvest. When you plant a certain seed, you actually reap that exact same seed. So if you plant, like I grew up on a farm, so I love talking about farming. When I would plant corn, a stalk of corn would grow. It wasn't like I planted corn and then wheat showed up. I'm like, oh man, oh God is crazy. You know, it's like that never happened. I could see myself saying something like that, but that didn't happen, okay? 
and, and the corn that I planted, I didn't know how to plant it. I just knew that the tractor that I drove had air conditioning and got four radio stations in. And my dad would kind of set everything up and I would just try to drive straight. Okay. That's basically my childhood growing up. And I did it for 60 hours a week. I see a bunch of students here. I did it for 80 and sometimes 105 hours. And I paid my own way to college that my dad paid me to work so that I could pay my own way. He was a smart man. Um, <laughs> But I found myself, like, you plant corn and you harvest corn. And not only you planted one seed, but you harvest an entire stalk of corn, which sometimes has one, two, and once in a while, look what crazy the Lord did in three. Sometimes you get a three-eared corn, right? It might be a little awkward and backwards and inside and out, but those things happen, and what you planted is what you would reap. The Bible actually says that. For what we sow, we will reap. Paul tells this, do not be deceived. God's not mocked. This is to the church in Galatia. For whatever one sows, one will also reap. That's the reality. So if you, want, if you plant fruit, you are going to reap Mike and Ike's. Exactly. You're going to reap Mike and Ike's. Okay, I love organic gummy candy. But you're, that's what you're going to reap. Here, here's what the passage we're in, in chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. It says, the point's this. For whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparing, sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. To say that we're going to sow in our finances and generously and to say, well, God's just going to kind of generally just bless our life. It's not actually accurate to the biblical principle of the law of the harvest. When we sow financially, what I'm not saying is a prosperity gospel. Like you give, man, you give a lot and the Lord is going to bless you. Like he's going to give you so much. Like if you give this much and more, it's times it times a hundred. It's not that. But when you trust God with your finances and you sow it in, there will be a peace that comes to you financially. I didn't say that you're going to have financial peace forever and you're going to have so much money you don't exactly know what to do with it all. But what I am saying is you will see a financial blessing, period. People could argue that with me if they would like to. I'll point to scripture and say that's what, that's what the law of the harvest actually says. So I don't want to generalize this blessing. I don't want to say, well, God's just going to bless you. Let's be really ambiguous with it. No, God's very specific with it. There's a reason why Paul is bringing this up because he's saying, trust him in your finances and you will be blessed in those areas. And I'm not saying prosperity. I'm not saying give a bunch and you're going to be blessed even more. I'm not saying that. There's a peace that comes when we trust God with everything that he's given us. And it says that we should be cheerful givers. Our heart actually matters. What if we gave from our heart and not from our have to? What if we gave from our heart and not from our have to? See, it says God loves a cheerful giver. It says what God loves. It doesn't say, if you can't give cheerfully, don't give at all. No, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say, you know, God loves a careful giver. It doesn't say God loves a comfortable giver. No, it says cheerful. It comes from this Greek word, hilaros, which is where we get the word hilarious. Because maybe you've been involved in generosity where you've seen God do something that only God can do. And you're just like, I literally can't believe that he did this. We trusted him with little and he gave us much. It's almost funny. My wife and I have been in situations of faith when it comes to finances and we've watched God bless And it's like, this doesn't add up. This doesn't make sense. 
sometimes you're, you're giving in faith and you're like, okay, it kind of hurts because I, I know it says we can test him in this and I know we're supposed to trust in our first fruits and this is above and beyond and we're really risking, like you don't know what else to do but laugh, right? Because you're just like, I am trusting you in this. And then there's other times that God brings a blessing to you that you never could imagine you got to be a part of. In our first couple of years of marriage, we needed a car and we were looking around and um, first off, I had gotten my car stolen. Uh, that's a side the point. It was in Southeast Boise. That's why I moved out here. Um, but, um, and so I had to make some plans and figure some stuff out. And so we were saving up some money. We're talking about it and going, okay, what are we going to do? Well, we had a friend that was selling a vehicle. And so we we're like, hey, I think that would be a great idea. Let's buy that. Okay, we'll talk to them. They said, yeah, that would be great. So we said, hey, we're going to bring a check over. First off, we were hoping the check would clear, but we brought a check over <laughs> to the house and we just said, hey, here you go. And they said, hey, you know what? We want you to give this money away. Okay, so real quick, we gave you money. You're giving it at us to give it away to other people. They're like, yeah. We're like, wow. Here's what I know some of you are thinking right now. What kind of card were you going to buy? And how much was the check? Is there anybody? Could you just raise your hand and say, and I have those questions. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, Okay. It was $10,000, $10,000. We had so much fun giving that money away. And I thought, can I give it away to myself? Um, no, I never thought that because I'm like, if somebody, you know, I'm like, my wife and I, we got a partner with one of my friends from high school that was a missionary to Mexico. We grew up high school together. We went to Young Life together. We went to campaigners together. We were in wildlife together. Went to student ministry together. Went to camp together. Went to Frontier Ranch together. We did ministry together. He went to Wheaton. I went to a school in Missouri. We stayed in good contact. And all of a sudden, he married the, I married this girl. And he married this girl. And next thing you know, we're in ministry. And I'm like, we've never had the financial resources. But right now, I get to be generous to him. Right now, we get to do this. Something we never imagined. It was so much fun. See, the generosity of someone else stirred up our hearts and other people were blessed because of it. Verse number eight says it this way. It says, for God is able, look, listen to all the alls and everys in this verse. God is able to make, first off, that's a, that's a message in front of itself. God is able. God's able. You may be going through financial hard times or difficult things. God is able to make all grace abound to you. And that word abound, I got to do a study on it because I like it. I'm never going to get through this verse, okay? Uh, that word abound, I want to study it because I think it's so rich. It's so good. I love that it's God is able. It says abound, abound, everything, grace, sufficiency. I don't know if you can get better words in the Bible than what we see here. Let's continue. Count the alls. All grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times that you may abound in every good work. He is all of our sufficiency. He's every last bit of it. Psalm 24, 1. Let's look at this on the screen. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The earth is the Lord's and almost everything in it. See, I, I put that word almost, I think, sometimes in that verse. He owns everything, all, 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 every. And we end up saying, you know what? God owns it almost, all of it. And in reality, he owns everything. He owns the cattle on, the th on a thousand hills. That may not mean a lot to some of you, but it means a lot to me because I raised cattle. 
And that's a lot of steak. That's what cows mean to me. And some of you are like, I don't eat meat. Congratulations, that's more for me. I'm not dogging your choices. I'm actually thankful for them. All the cattle. And maybe you're not into cows and steak. Maybe it's like God owns all the Camaros on a thousand hills, you know? All the provision, whatever that provision would be. Whatever your heart longs for, whatever your life needs, he owns it all. Not almost all of it. He owns it all. And to step back and say, you know what? My giving fills me. Your giving fills you up. You don't give so you can get, but guess what? In giving, we're promised sufficiency. He owns it all. We're promised these things. We will be filled by him with every and all that we need. I love that he owns everything and listen what he does with it. Verse number nine, he distributes it freely. He's given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies the seed to the sower and the bread for food will supply and will multiply. Your seed for sowing, your increase, this harvest of righteousness that's going to take place. He freely gives. He owns it all and he freely gives. God didn't go like this when we, when we sinned. When we brought sin into the world, he didn't go like this. He continued to be gracious. And he allowed an offering of a lamb to be given. Then he offered an offering of his own son to be given. And guess what? Romans 5, 8, even while you were yet sinning, Christ died for you. Long before you were born, he knew, his foreknowledge knew that you would be born. He knew that you would sin. He knew that you would fall short. He went like this. And verse 15 talks about that indescribable gift, that uncomparable gift. I'm not trying to get ahead, but I'm just telling you, we have to keep perspective on everything we've been given and everything that it owns and the way that he distributes all of the riches of God, not the riches of God, but the riches of eternity with him, the riches of a payment that was made on a cross for us. But what you keep is all that you're going to have. But what you give, God will multiply. God will multiply it. He'll bring a blessing. And not only does your giving stir up other people and you get filled up in the process, but others are lifted up. It'll lift others up. See, when you want to be part of a miracle, I can tell you where to find one. I can tell you the exact intersection. You know where a miracle is found? It's found in God's perfect timing and your willing generosity. You want to be part of America? You want to be a part of something you can't believe only God could do? Have a willing, generous heart and then just walk God's perfect timing and you get to see things that you never thought you'd be able to see in your life. And the avenues that run down, it's generosity. See, a few years back, we got to go to Guatemala. We go every year. We have our feeding center, our orphanage, our church plant, the pastor we support there. Incredible ministry that we're able to be a part of. And when we were in Guatemala, we deliver food baskets and we go to homes and we make home visits and we share the message of Christ and bring physical food encouragement to people. It's, it's incredible. And sometimes water filters. We walked a mile and a half through this village down some kind of sketchy kind of roads and 
We're going, okay, we're from North America. What's going on here? We're walking up. We get to this house. This man, a single father who'd lost his wife, had three boys. And we get to this house and we're talking with them. And we didn't know all that we were going to experience while we were there. We knew that they had needs, but we didn't know to what degree. See, this dad informed us that he has not one, not two, but three boys with muscular dystrophy. I watched that dad come out and greet us. He went back in the house. He put one of the boys over his shoulder and he walked them out and put them in a rickety chair. The second boy came walking out, struggling but walking out on his own. And he went back in for a third boy, put him over his shoulder and set him in a chair. We did not know what we were going to experience there. We thought we were bringing 70 pounds of food to this family. We had 210 pounds total because we had delivered those to other houses. And they looked at me and they said, Keith, would you share the message of Christ with them? And I'm like, okay, here we go. I wasn't planned, but let's talk about the bread of life. Let's talk about living water. Um, let's talk about you know, God's provisions. Let's talk about this not being an accident that we're here. Let's talk like I'm just going, okay, God, what do you want me to share? My heart's open to sharing. I'm watching tears roll down this man's face. And I don't know if the translator was translating a better message than I was trying to share, <laughs> but I was open to that. And I looked at him and I said, would you like to receive Christ as your savior? And he said, yes. And I looked down to pray. And there was a cow that was tied up right here next to me. And I was like, okay, pray with me. (laughs) (laughs) And there were seven chicks on the ground, not like, like chickens that were pecking around at our feet. And I led him in a prayer. And we ended the prayer and we began to pray specifically over him. And I looked at the missionary and we were talking as a team. I'm like, what else can we do? How else can we bless them? He asked the dad and the dad says, you've given us everything we could ever need. And I said, I know that was like the church answer, but what can we, else can we do? Because this generosity of God's perfect timing and our willingness, we, we want to do something. And he said, we could use mattresses because with the boys sleeping physically, like they need a place that would be better. And so they said, okay, we'll get mattresses. And I said, do you have more? Like, you don't understand there's 30 people on this trip. We have an entire church supporting us back home. What else can we do? And he said, my boys could use wheelchairs. (laughs) Like, deal. We can make that happen. We got to minister in a way because we had a generous church. We had a group of people that was willing to go and a group of people at this church that was willing to send and to say, we're not gonna live for ourselves. We wanna see the gospel go forth regardless. We wanna send. And guess what happens? This scripture tells us in verse 11 and 12 that people will thank us for our generosity. Not because we're so great, but God was so great through us. There's a thanksgiving that happens, verse 12, for this ministry of this service. It's not only to supply the needs of the saints, but also this overflowing with many thanksgivings to God. There may be a day that on this earth that you get to hear someone's gratitude for your generosity. But we don't live for that day. We live for a day that's coming in eternity where we hear from God. We hear, well done, good and faithful servant. We hear, thank you. 
Can you imagine the stories because of your faithfulness that church was planted? Because you went, that was the event my parents or my family or so-and-so came to. You fed, because of your support, you fed our family at a feeding center for X number of years. Because you gave, we were, we were sponsored for camp and we were able to go and I was able to hear the message of Christ. And the, hey, here's all my friends that I invited and I connected to because of that. You want to talk about a downline? You want to talk about multiplication, exponential ministry, generosity is the avenue for something so much more than we could ever do individually. And some of you, you're hearing this because you live a lifestyle of generosity and you don't feel guilt. You're not feeling guilty. Like I need to give more. You're going, man, a generous person doesn't feel guilt. A generous person gets to see the glory of God. And there may be some of you going, man, I've been generous, but the level I've kind of controlled my generosity And there's some of you that don't give to a local church. I just want to encourage you. Like if you don't trust the local church that you're at, you need to go to one that you can trust and you can give financially and you can fulfill this command, but also this promise of blessing that God wants to give you so that ministry can go forth. So we can see cities reached with the message of Jesus Christ. We can see ministry promoted locally, nationally, globally. Be part of that. Be part of the eternal change that's going to take place in the lives of people. And Paul gave us some simple instructions on where to start in chapter 16 of his first letter. He said it this way. Now concerning this collection, this offering for the churches, I directed these churches in Galatia so that you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside to store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. See, it says on the first day of every week. That's something that's planned. It's, it's not sporadically, but it's consistently so that there can be plans made because you've planned and you've prepared and you've been consistent. We get the chance to be that, that each of us would, that this is personal. This isn't one person doing so that we get to be part of something. This is each one of us personally accepting this opportunity to partner in the Lord's work. And then as he may prosper means proportionately. That's why scripture gives us a percentage amount of 10%. And it's given to us in that so we can go, hey, we can, 10% means 10% means 10%. So if you make a million dollars a year, there's 10% of that. And if you make $1,000 a year, there's 10% of that. And if you make $10 a year, there's 10% of that. Like it is proportionate. It's not like one does a ton and that dude's, he's loaded so he can take care of it. We don't have that kind of money, so we can't. No, proportionately, we can take steps. Each one of us personally, and we can plan to do it. There's instruction, give, there's instruction given, and it's the Lord's. It's a chance for us to be faithful. But it's not about like, Rock Harbor needs your money. We got to pay some bills. We got to take care of a few things. We got vision, and we need to fund it. No, because where our heart is, our treasure is. And those of us that choose to keep our life will lose it. But those who give it will gain it. And there's life found and there's freedom found in this. And there's hope that can be found. And sadly, many of us are in a crazy cycle of finances. You know, it breaks a crazy cycle where it seems like the same thing occurring over and over and over. Generosity. Generosity breaks the crazy cycle we can find ourselves in. And it'll breathe new life into you. And that's where we get to the last part. Verse 13 through 15, it says, For by their approval of his service, they're going to glorify God because of your submission. 
think it's interesting the word submission is used because it means that we surrender. It means we say we can't. Submission is this. Surrender is this. Saying, I can't do it, but you can. This is all your stuff. I'm not going to gather unless you place it in my hands. And even then, I'm going to allow it to flow through these hands. And God, you can trust these hands. I'm going to test you in this. I'm going to believe you for all that you have and the promises that you have. I'm not living for just this life. I'm living for what God has more than this life and beyond this life. See, this comes with the confession of the gospel and the generosity of your contribution for them and all others. For they long for you. They pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. For thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. Inexpressible gift. The gift of Jesus. And your giving lifts up the name of Jesus. It stirs up others. You're filled up. It lifts up others, but it lifts up, most importantly, the name of Jesus. And Jesus said it this way. If I be lifted up above the earth, I will draw all men to myself. I'll draw all people to myself. You hear what he said? He's saying, when I'm lifted up on a cross, he's foretelling his death, how it's going to happen. I'm going to be lifted up above the earth. But he's also saying, raise up our view. And if we lift Jesus above the things of this earth, the money, the things, the provisions, and we trust him at a whole new level, he's going to draw people. And generosity is a catalyst for life change because it doesn't make sense. And guess what? We get to do it together. And as a church, you have been faithful in partnering with Rock Harbor, and we get to partner with local and global ministries, one of which is Vapor Ministries. We have a video that explains what they do and what we get to partner with, and then we get to hear from them. So watch this video. Well, hey, let's welcome Audrey and Christian. We are blessed to have you guys here. And uh, this is Audrey McKelving. She's co-founder of Vapor Ministries. And this is Christian, hold on, Kulakie. Yes, sir. How do you actually say it? The exact way, Kulakie. Kulakie. Yes. Man, your voice is so much cooler. <laughs> like, like legit, so like people you. would just come to Rock Harbor if you were here all the time, just go like, ah, this feels good to be here. It's not just like donut holes and whatnot. It's like, man, it's good. It's like, if you read the Bible, like, I'd start crying. I like reading the Bible. You do? Yes. You don't have to say that because you're on stage. You know? <laughs> no, Christian, you're, uh, it's awesome to be able to officially meet you. Audrey, I've known you for quite some time, and you and Micah have uh, just been a huge blessing uh, to our church. From very beginning at Rock Harbor, we wanted to give away... Um, resource. And so we set aside a 10th part and it turned into 13% now uh, that we've been able to be part of. And Vapor Ministries was one of the first checks we wrote. In fact, it was 2005. And um, it was the first gifts that were given, $271 uh, back in, I don't know, was it February or something of of uh, 2012. And now to see the ministry growing is just incredible. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, Vapor? Yeah, uh, Vapor works in some of the most poorest uh, population in the world. And uh, we go in those areas and we serve the people who are living in extreme poverty. 
We serve them, live with them, encourage them, love them, and see their lives change as we live with them. We work in Africa, East Africa, West Africa, and also in Haiti. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I, Christian, I know you have quite the journey. Um, Christian was uh, born in Burundi, yes. and then you were a refugee uh, to Rwanda. Yes. And then because of genocide, I'm telling your story. It's also I want to test myself. Um, uh, because of genocide, you went to Kenya, and that's how you landed in Kenya, got connected to Vapor. Yes. Okay. And then went to Togo, and then now is uh, leading some centers in Haiti, and he made his way all the way to Idaho. And so um, it's been quite the amazing... Yeah, let's let's... Celebrate God's faithfulness. And Audrey, you've, you've seen the expansion and, and growth. Tell us a little bit about why Vapor exists and kind of the variety of things that that means. Sure, sure. Well, in short, we meet needs, feed souls, and elevate God. So we're just a, a group of people that understand that life is like a vapor. It's mm-hmm. short at the end of the day. And so we just want to use our short lives to fulfill the calling of Christ, to mm-hmm. care for the poor and the lost. And um, so, yeah, that's basically uh, what we do in these areas. So, Christian, um, I stole this off your table out there, um, but this is a soccer ball. I've seen a few of these. Yes. Um, would you mind explaining this to us? Because I know that has to do with what Vapor is uh, founded in. And- yeah, when you go to those areas that I've spoken about, this the kind of ball kids play on a, on a, uh, of course, a, a, a turf with no grass, sometimes with rocks. And uh, it's made of um, paper, I mean, uh, polythene paper, wrapped up together, and then uh, you try to, to weave it and make a ball. So this is the kind of a ball I played myself from age six to around age 16. And that is your ball? This is not my ball, okay. really, but... Uh, okay, it, I thought it was, of... and then I felt bad that I stole your property, <laughs> but... Now, okay. I, now I, I, I play better balls okay. because <laughs> okay. of paper, yeah. Yeah, you played a little bit in the... Yes, I was a professional player in, uh, in Africa and in, in played in Kenya uh, up to what we call the Premier League. Mm-hmm. I was a goalkeeper and played around 16 to 18 years. Yeah. So how do you guys practically do ministry? Obviously involves soccer, running, lots of different things, but how do you practically do ministry? We come in in these lost places and then uh, we establish centers that are sustainable. Uh, We make sure that these centers have activities that can draw people to God. So one of the sports we use is soccer and uh, we bring in kids we organize a league for them uh, from the age of 6 to 20. So these young kids, young ladies, and uh, young men come in and have a, 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 way, a chance to listen to the word of God on a weekly basis. And then we disciple them. Many of them come to know Christ. As I talk to you now, hundreds of them are Christians mm. through this work. We don't not only do that, we try to bring in services that can help the communities in those areas. 
one of them being drinking clean water, um, crit critical care services, and then, of course, education. As you know, most of those kids do not have a chance to go to school. And uh, when you look at the, uh, the activities, we do some small businesses as a sustainability, and we offer them jobs, small mm -hmm. jobs, because we have staff that work now with VEPA. As I talk now, we have around 500 uh, staff globally. We serve hundreds and hundreds of people in those communities. Uh, we have five operating centers, three in Africa, mm -hmm. respectively two in Kenya, Nairobi, one in Togo, West Africa, and two in Haiti. Uh, and also, as we do that, we make sure that these people are getting uh, uh, the, the knowledge of mm -hmm. God. And uh, we have 5,000, more than 5,000 5, people who are discipled mm -hmm. every week. Actually, it's 5,500, yeah. if wow. I come, come to the real numbers, That's every amazing. week. And among those 5,500, every month we get at least... 30 people who have to know Christ in every center. Wow. So we have hundreds who meet God mm -hmm. every month. Yeah, and providing the sustainable income, the sustainable centers is yes. part of your heart. And seeing it multiply um, from even one center quite a while ago to, to almost seven, you know, six, right? And adding. Yeah, now we seven. have, of course, a center that we, pre we are preparing to build. Uh, everything is, is ready. We have learned. Now we are seeking some help from uh, uh, people who can g g help towards that, uh, that center so mm -hmm. that we can build it in Haiti. It will be our third center in Haiti. Yeah, that's awesome. I know seeing the multiplication in multiple centers, thousands of lives impacted. Um, can you tell us one story? Um, and if it's the one from, that you told at the earlier service, that would be really good because it was really good. No pressure, though. I mean, you can talk, share whatever. Yes, there, there's, we could talk all day about stories, but like you said, the one is, one is impactful and that I think would just kind of encompass the full ministry would be the story of Hasmin. And um, so when we met Hasmin, here's a picture of him. We think he was around four or five. There was no record of his birth, no official record of his birth. And so this was the day we met Hasmin, and purposely the picture was taken from the waist up because he had no pants on um and so he what you can't tell um from the photo is that his hair is starting to turn yellow which we knew from being there that that's late stage malnutrition so we knew this boy was really bad off and he smelled like a, a trash dump because what we soon learned is that he was living in the trash dump and so my husband was playing soccer this day and dropped a coin out of his pocket and the coin to us was equivalent to maybe 40 cents but to a young boy living in the slum, that was a lot of money. It could probably buy him three or four meals. And so Hasmin found that coin and immediately tugged at Micah and handed him the coin back. And because of his honesty, my husband said, oh, you can, you can keep this. And so he ran off happy. And the next day, this little boy was getting in my husband's face, trying to get his attention. And my husband's like, what's this boy want? And one of our staff said, oh, that's the little boy you gave the money to. He wants to show you what he did with that money. And so the little boy had quickly ran and got something to eat. 
And then he took the rest of the money and he went to a barber and he got a shave and he paid for a bath and to get lotion put on his skin. He wanted the sensation of feeling clean. And so, um, I'm sorry, I have a little boy now that's about this age, so. Um, we immediately fell in love with Hasmeen. And so at the time, we weren't parents, but we thought, what, what do you do to take care of a little kid? Well, you feed them and you get them into a safe home. And so we found him a, a little foster home. A, a, a staff member was willing to take him into his home. And we found out that his grandparents had died of AIDS, that his father had died of AIDS, and his mother was desperately ill uh, at that time in the process of dying of AIDS. And he, so he had no one, and he was surviving off of just people's leftovers. He would knock on doors at night begging for food. And so we made sure he had meals. And then we realized, okay, he's about the age to start school, so let's get him enrolled in school. And he joined the disciple-making groups. He, he, he joined the Vapor Ministries Leagues, and he came to faith in Christ, and he was discipled. And so we grew, grew with this boy. And um, this year he was finishing high school, and he speaks multiple languages. And so we gave him some goals to meet and said, hey, Hasmin, if you meet these academic goals, if you meet these spiritual goals and you meet these job work goals, um, we'll reward you with the missionary trip to Haiti. We'll take you with us to Haiti and you can be a part of a missions experience. And would you believe it that this little slum boy hit those goals? And we've, we went through the process of giving this boy a getting him a passport, no record of his birth. <laughs> so you can imagine him on a plane, right? Um, so here's a picture of us in Haiti. Um, and uh, it's just an amazing example of here is this little boy who was the mission, going on mission. And now he has a desire to fulfill that in his own community and is sharing Christ and is, is becoming a disciple-maker Rock Carver, this is your story. This is what you've been sowing into. This is some of your fruit. And, and I just want to say thank you. And he went from a dying slum boy to a thriving disciple maker mm-hmm. through your generosity. Um. Well, it's uh, been an incredible, you know, seven years now of partnering at Rock Harbor, but the journey that I had with you guys started before that. Um, I remember when you married into Vapor Ministries, you know, you weren't married. And I was like, why are you marrying Micah? Cause he's crazy. Um, and wants to live in Africa. Are you ready for that? You're from Kentucky. You have an accent. Are you going to fit in? Um, and, uh, I remember our student ministry, we took the proceeds from the most annoying pop machine and candy machine in the world. And every dime that came from that went to your ministry. And seeing kids like by Mountain Dews and Mike and Ike's for Jesus. And it was simple offerings and gifts. And you guys faithfully came up here and would visit my kids that many serve in this church now. Um, thank you. Um, this year our church gets to have 100 people go on a mission experience. It's from the heart that you guys have sowed into us and we get to be part of. And so when I talk about generosity, it's not like, oh, church needs money, got to pay the bills, got to pay Rocky Mountain, got to build a building. It's like, no, we're, we're building lives that build lives that build lives that build lives. And Christian is that, Hasmin is that, and uh, we get to do this together. So that's what we get to do. 
Um, before I pray for you guys, I know you guys want to get to the lobby to get a chance to meet people. Um, can we give them one more round of applause, appreciation for their ministry? So you guys can go ahead and head out that way and, and we'll pray behind your back when you're not in here. Um, but man, are we thankful um, for them and to get to partner and uh, be able to see. So when we talk about giving, it's not like, what do we get? It's what do we get to do? What do we get to do? What do we get to be a part of? How can we do more than any one of us can do individually? Because it takes certain people that are called to do different things, but it's people with their hands open, people ready to give, people excited, people hilariously enjoying cheerfully what God wants to bring, his increase. Can we pray together? God, I praise you for the faithfulness, the indescribable, uncomparable gift of Jesus that we get to lift high. And today, I know many of us are stirred up. We're stirred up to go. We're stirred up to send. We're stirred up to give differently. We're stirred up to remember why we get to do what we get to do, what it's all about. We get a center back on uh, we've been given much to, to give much, not feel guilty for what we have, but rather just be able to glorify you and all that we've been given. Thank you so much for vapor. This, this, we just have a short period. Our life is a mist that appears for a while and then goes away. Let us invest at will. I pray for vapor, the centers that they have all around, the, the places that they're getting to go, that we get to go with them by support, by prayer. And for some, by being part of the ministry, being the hands and feet on the ground. Thank you. For, I lift up Christian to you as he launches this new Haiti ministry. Micah and Audrey, their young family, as you're using them as disciple makers. God, let us be a church that makes disciples. And we see our community here, not just what do we do globally or nationally, but what are we doing in this room? We want to see people in our city, in our place, come into a relationship with you, for we have that same calling to go. Go and make disciples. Let us be stirred up today. It's in your name that we pray, the name of Jesus, the same name that Hasmin surrendered to, that Christian, and we're seeing kids this weekend in our camp surrender to, the name of Jesus. In your name, amen.